welcome to the ninth episode of Cock Blocked by Corona, the podcast, when you're ready to date but have to isolate. You heard me correctly. This is number nine. And therefore, if it is your first time joining us, there are eight bingeable episodes to treat your ears to before this saucy little number. If you are one of our loyal Cock Block devotees, you may continue listening. We hope you've had a glorious and healthy week with some click tingles thrown in for good measure. I'm Hannah Fredrickson, and as always, I'm joined by Lauren McKenna. Hello. As we help our newly single best friend, Kate Foster. Hi, guys. As she navigates the dating world with the added challenge of COVID-19. Restrictions are easing slightly here in Melbourne, but for now, we are staying safe and are each recording remotely from our isolation prisons as we explore love and dating in the time of that pest corona and celebrate lol and katie's 32nd birthday hi ladies hi hello i don't know about you but i'm feeling 32 (laughs) (laughs) i don't know about you but i'm feeling 32 so katie's already turned 32 this week happy birthday katie thanks queenies and mine's coming up so how exciting it's quite amazing that you are Born three days apart. I know. This is actually our 12th birthday together as nearly birthday twins. Oh, my gosh, it so is exciting. too far out. We've known each other for a long time. A bloody long time. That's full on. So how's everyone's week been? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Radio silence. Oh, that good, huh? No, good. Good. I know I've had a nice, I've had a nice week. I'm not going to give too much away because we'll come to that later, but I've, I've had a really lovely week. No, look, I have, I I just, I think I was just, um, I was mental blanking. I have had a nice week. I've um, managed to see some lovely people. I got yes. to see Katie on her birthday, which was really lovely. Yay. And um, there's been some nice weather here in Melbourne. So it's been lovely to go for some beautiful walks. It's the most stunning day today. Oh, it's like, it's beautiful. 18 degrees, sunny. And I, as I told you guys last week, I have been approved for my socially distant picnic. Yay. So I get to see you girls today. It's super exciting because we've barely got to see you throughout your entire pregnancy. So it's just been watching you like grow and develop over Zoom, which isn't the same. No, it's not the same. It's not the same. And I have to warn you girls, I am enormous. I'm so excited to show you my bump. I'm so excited. So yes, I am 32 weeks pregnant this week and turning 32. (gasps) So it's the number of the week. 32 squared. So, Katie, do you have any memorable birthdays that stick out for you? <laughs> 25 was a memorable birthday. I, oh, look, I mean, 30, we all know what happened then. That was throat gonorrhea and losing my job. But 25, <laughs> I was so salty about turning 25. <laughs> and I just really hated life. And I'm pretty sure Han had to come and get me out of my house. I'm laughing because I just remember it so well. And it's funny because also because I'm younger than you girls. So whenever you've like had a, you know, when you were having an age crisis about 25, I was like, maybe that's just how it feels. You know what I mean? Like maybe that is just what it's like. Because Kate was like, now looking back, we're all like, that's just ridiculous. Like you're literally a fetus, but you were oh. like, I'm tw- you were like, I'm 25. And like, what have I done? What have I done? Like my life is not what I wanted. To be. I was so salty. <laughs> I just felt, I felt fugly. Yeah. You're like, I'm supposed to be a ragingly successful career woman with a marriage and a house and a <laughs> so <laughs> 25 goodness <laughs> but that's what we all sort of 
believe, I guess. And my gosh, I don't know, yes. Like my mum, my mum and dad were married by twenty four because that was a much more common thing then. Mm. Whereas now I'm like, whoa, that is oh. Well, you know, the, young. the 20s in general, I think, were tumultuous years. I really think people, like, there's so many expectations that you have in your 20s. And you know what happens? You just keep getting the years pass and every year you're like, yeah, well, didn't do that thing thought I was going to do when I was, you know, when I was 15. <laughs> didn't do that thing that I had planned since I was nine years old. And so it's just like ticking off all the shit that you thought you were going to do that society is kind of like thrust upon you and now I look back and I'm like, ah, shit, doesn't matter. Had a ripper of a time. But, yeah, no, 25, I was mad. I was real mad. What about you, Lol? The birthday that really sticks out for me as being um, memorable (laughs) was actually my fifth, so I'm really digging deep. (laughs) But I had a fancy dress party and I love birthdays. I love my own birthday. I love other people's birthdays. I love celebrating birthdays. And so I had this lit party (laughs) and it was fancy dress theme. (laughs) And obviously being a late May baby, it was quite a cold day. Mm. I was adamant that I was going to be going as Ariel from The Little Mermaid, as you do. Obviously. And my mum made me wear a white skivvy Underneath my mermaid bra, (laughs) and I was livid. Absolutely livid. That's the worst. So that's the one that kind of, that's the earliest one that kind of Mm. sticks out for me. But speaking of memorable birthdays, we are celebrating our births this week, and it certainly brings up some memories of one year in particular when our special day was marked by a very memorable trip to Phillip Island. (laughs) Yes. Oh, Oh, we all remember. And it was memorable for all the wrong reasons. (laughs) Now, obviously, this podcast has been focusing on Katie's dating journey. However, I reckon I've kind of got off scot-free so far. Yeah. You girls have really let me Mm. off the hook because (laughs) you know that I have some bloody doozies of my own in the deep recesses of my past. Oh, yes, Mm -hmm. you do. So shall we shall we have a quick trip down memory lane and talk about that Phillip Island trip? Please. Oh, we must. We must. Okay, so as you remember, I'd had a fairly recent breakup with my long-term partner of four and a half years. Look, shit went down, mistakes were made, feelings were hurt, but ultimately looking back, he just wasn't the person for me. We just weren't right for each other. But I did really, really love him. So let's call him 59 Accessories (laughs) because he... He had a nose ring when I met him and loved a long necklace and a bit of a hat and just generally frothed a busy as fuck look. Yes. uh. (laughs) Um, So I had just had my disastrous post-breakup rebound with a gent I mentioned in a previous episode who we call Never Eaten Chinese Food. (laughs) (laughs) And this is the guy who turned me off watching Game of Thrones for life with that gross negging. He was a dick. I don't know if people remember. He was such a dick. Yuck. And shockingly, this man had actually never even consumed a fucking spring roll in his (laughs) life. Like what? Yeah, look, if that was an indication that this was not going to be a lifelong partner for you, I don't know what could have been. But also, like, what the hell was he doing with his life? Like, Australians froth some completely westernised Chinese food. But how can you live in Melbourne and not have, like, how can you, I just, anyway... It's definitely not proper Chinese, but how have you not eaten fried rice? (laughs) Well, fried rice, and I can't imagine not even having, like, a spring roll at an event. Yes! Well, he obviously doesn't get out much. I mean, he was was very what the fuck. Anyway, so that had sort of come and gone, and I was pretty unscathed from that. 
situation. So I was recently dating a seemingly sweet and harmless guy who we will call surfboard. <laughs> now- Sorry, I just nearly <laughs> choked. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, oh. He was the opposite of a surfy kind of guy, but trust me, this code name will make sense as we divulge this story. Mm. So Han, Katie and I and the rest of our crew of about a dozen were heading on a fabulous trip to gorgeous Phillip Island in a big holiday house for our 27th birthdays. It was a rockin' weekend. It was. Surfboard was actually a bit of a pest, but <laughs> felt like a pretty safe and comforting option to help nurse my broken heart over my ending things with 59 accessories. Mm-hmm. It was a pretty full-on baptism of fire being thrown into an established group so early into dating, but, hey, you have to test the waters sometime, and I thought, why not? He can come on this trip and just see how he goes meeting everyone. And we're a nice group. Like, we're fun. We are fun. Yeah. So I think I must have already been a bit off him by then because I don't actually remember spending that much time with him on our first evening of the weekend. <laughs> I sort of introduced him to everyone and then just let him make friends and do his thing. And I think I might have not seen you girls for a while. So I was more just focused mm. on catching up with the gals. As the night progressed, it was clear he'd been drinking way too much, carrying on with some pretty intense bravado to try and make a good impression on the men of the group, and to be quite frank, being a bit of an ass. <laughs> do you girls remember? Didn't he? Didn't he do something really fucked? Mm, Connor like has PTSD because um, he they were playing like a game of beer pong, I think, on the big kitchen table, and this was like it was quite a messy night to be honest, like for everybody. But um, he like. When he like, I don't know, I guess maybe it was when he won a point and he tried to do like the, like, come on, like effectively like your Leighton Hewitt style. But his version of that was to turn around, (laughs) turn around, pull his pants down and just spread his butt cheeks and show everyone his bum hole. He (laughs) was foul. Wow. He was so gross. (laughs) What a weirdo. Which to be fair, which to be fair, like even a decade in if – one of you did that to me, I'd be uh, hugely confronted, let alone someone I I just met. Let alone the first day we meet. (laughs) I'm not sure that opening your bumhole to anybody um, is really a a public thing. (laughs) Not not during a game of ping pong. It's just not appropriate, let's be honest. And I actually didn't know. I didn't know that until very, very recently. So I feel like it, you know, was over before it began. But... You know, this night was the first time I'd seen him heavily drinking in our short relationship as well. So, I mean, things always come out when you see someone drunk for the first time. God, yeah. God, yeah. I mean, he might have been nervous in a new social environment, but it was fairly outrageous behaviour. I even remember we played that game of werewolf. (laughs) Do you girls remember that? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So werewolf or mafia, as it's sometimes called, it's kind of like a whodunit sort of game and there's a lot of role play and it's just it's a bit of fun and we had you know candles it was quite a dark room we like tried to set the scene we put some music on and it's usually a really good fun time anyway he was very very drunk and I think everyone just really (laughs) really wanted him out of the game so he got voted out first and had the sulks and at one point he actually went and got the novel that he was reading I think it was like a fantasy novel or something he got the novel he was currently reading and sat back on the couch and tried to read it in a dark room while the rest of us played werewolf because he was so sulky so he was just he was throwing a tantrum he was really making a point he was being a bit of a pest can we tell can we tell 
the moment I just want to interrupt you, Lil, because I feel like there's a moment you've you've missed when Alana and I were standing by the fire and we witnessed a private moment. At this point, I think you were well over him and you were both in the kitchen and you turned to him and you said, I think you've had enough. And he just looked at you, picked up like a bottle of scotch and just started pouring it into a glass and it just started spilling over the top of the glass, over the side of the table and all the way onto the floor. (laughs) And he just looked like he was fucking loathing everyone. He He was was a mess. He was like, oh, you will not tell me what to do. Oh, yuck. He was an absolute mess. Uh, There's one particular moment that... Gave him his nickname. <laughs> Who wants to say this bit? <laughs> oh, look, I think I'll say it because I genuinely saved this person's life when this moment occurred. Um, so another friend of ours had brought his uh, relatively new girlfriend along too, but she she was like fitting in quite well, though she was like very quiet. Um, maybe she was just and kind very of young. sitting back and very young. We won't comment on that, but very young. Um, anyway, it was quite overwhelming for her, but she literally, we were in like the beach house in Phillip Island that had a lot of the classic like beach house holiday home paraphernalia, including like a giant massive longboard <laughs> leaning up against the wall. Anyway, as this uh, particular man just got looser and looser and looser and in less control of his limbs, this sweet young girl happened to be standing in this particular spot beside this longboard and uh, he just came past and like literally sort of like took the longboard out and it was just like it was like time slowed down and I just watched this longboard heading towards this girl's head and like (laughs) did the most I'm not a, a, a coordinated person but did probably one of my best saves of my life and caught it with one hand like inches away from it literally probably knocking her out so since then we've called him surfboard <laughs> surfboard <laughs> he was a menace uh. he was a menace and the night really took a turn when he locked himself into the bedroom we were staying in and started calling people and abusing them verbally <laughs> over the phone oh god and look it actually did get quite scary because when I was finally led into the bedroom he actually got quite physically violent and I ended up having to sleep on the couch and luckily all of our beautiful friends were very protective and sort of made this beautiful like body barrier around me. <laughs> we were listening from the door outside. We were listening in the corridor and he was like I fucking love you. Oh god, it was a lot. It was a lot. Everybody else went on this like midnight beach walk but Kate beautifully stayed with me because I'd had too much to drink and I was doing some little cheeky bombs but that meant that we were there to um, overhear this and you went into the room and when you came out Kate and I were just standing outside the door and we both just went enough enough now yeah absolutely (laughs) the craziest thing was when we all woke up the next morning surfboard had absolutely (laughs) no recollection of the night's events he greeted me like nothing had happened And I just remember very calmly saying, there's a 10 o'clock and a 12 o'clock bus back to Melbourne. (laughs) We can drop you at the bus stop. You need to leave. (laughs) Oh, dear. We all were having this beautiful, like, cook-up breakfast around the table and um, everyone was, like, in this really lovely, happy mood. We're at our holiday house and he was, like, wheeling his little wheelie suitcase down the corridor, but no one was even... Because everyone was just furious, like not happy with him. So no one was acknowledging that he was even leaving, but he was like sulkily wheeling his bag down the corridor while everyone was like, Does, who wants chocolate or strawberry milk? Pass the eggs. Like everyone was just like <laughs> completely Everybody not acknowledging this him. person. We just never saw him again. We never did. Anyway, it would have been a very 
sickly hungover bumpy bus ride from Phillip Island back to Melbourne. Yep. So we just dropped him off at the bus stop and I just remember crying and crying and crying and it certainly was not about surfboard or what had actually happened. I think I was just still grieving my breakup with 59 accessories. Yes. But it certainly was a very memorable birthday and one of my worst girls. (laughs) Oh, it was one of the best for us because it was hilarious. Yeah, it was hilarious. Oh, it was. And looking back, I'm like, what was I thinking bringing (laughs) him? The (laughs) best. Oh, look, let's just hope that uh, this 32nd birthday is much nicer than that. Absolutely. It has set a good precedent though, hasn't it? Because every new boyfriend is like when you meet the group, it's a will or will you not get put on a bus back to Melbourne? Oh, definitely. And I have to say that my beautiful, incredible husband, Carl, the first time he met everyone was at Kate's 30th. So that was another amazingly memorable birthday. That was. But he bloody nailed it. He, he was did. Just so beautiful to everyone and making friends and really fit in. So it is a bit of a baptism of fire, but I think you have to do it sometime. And it's really lovely when your friends can get to know the person you're dating and it just kind of works out. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it was only up from there. (laughs) Surfboard. It absolutely makes our day to hear from our listeners via our email and Instagram. Here is just one of our favourites of the week. Ladies, loving C-Blocked podcast so friggin' much, mates. Last week you were talking about how to pass on a good one regarding holy guacamole. And I remembered I've been on the receiving end of the pass on. So here goes. I was seven years deep into love life misery when I got chatting with a fellow performer in the foyer one night after a gig. I already knew who she was and had always admired her work. However, this was our first time meeting in person and it did not disappoint. We chatted for so long, we basically closed the place and agreed to have our first brunch date a few days later. So to continue our wonderful banter. On this brunch, we shot the shit about the horrid men we dated. I filled her in on my awful stories, of which I have many, and spoke candidly about how I'd pretty much given up on dating because clearly I'm the only person I can trust on this bloody earth not to lie and cheat. She paused, looked at me and said, I think I may have someone for you. Full disclosure, she said, I've already slept with him, but this is a good thing because I can tell you I know for sure that everything about him, his body and his, you know, well, let's just say it's all very good. (laughs) We laughed. I got all the details and then agreed to come to her apartment that weekend for a little casual get together of about eight people so I could meet this supposed dream guy. This is where we were introduced. We both low-key knew it was a setup, but there was no awkwardness whatsoever. He doted on me all afternoon, always making sure my glass was full and then insisted on walking me down the street when I had to leave to meet another friend for dinner. It was outside the restaurant where we shared our first kiss, only hours after meeting. We have been together now for close to a year and a half, a living under one roof, isolating successfully and are very much in love. And the new friend I made that night in the foyer, I owe her everything and I know she'll be a friend for life. There has never been an ounce of discomfort knowing my beautiful man is technically her sloppy seconds. I trusted and liked her the moment we met, and why would I want to throw that away? There's no shame in the pass on. It made all my dreams come true. Life is just a puzzle trying to find the piece that fits perfectly next to you, and puzzles are always easier when done together. Oh, cute! That is beautiful. Isn't that gorgeous? I love this. Thank you for writing that in. What a great story, and what a great 
advocation for the pass on being something that can be successful. Absolutely. So if you're listening and Holy Guac is your man, get in touch. Get in touch, guys. I'll pass him on. Now, it wouldn't be a birthday without some sweet, sweet reflection. So are you ready for some hard-hitting questions, my birthday girls? We are. I'm scared, but yes, I'm ready. (laughs) (laughs) How are you feeling about turning 32? Lol. I feel good. I'm excited. I think 32 is a lovely number. It feels quite significant for me because when I was growing up and my mum was in her 40s, she was getting older and older and more beautiful every year, she would always say, you know, it's my 42nd birthday, but I don't look a day over 32. And then on her 43rd birthday, she'd go, but I don't look a day over 32 (laughs) and so on. So I think 32 in my mind feels quite, um, I don't know, comforting and significant. What about you, Katie? I feel invigorated, you know? A lot has happened, a lot of, like, uh, bad shit, to put it bluntly, Um, but also so much has happened in the last few months and I actually feel really invigorated and really positive. Tell us about a defining moment in your life that made you aware of your womanhood. Mm, Okay. It was very early on when I was quite young um, and it was when I – I think it was when I was in primary school maybe and I developed quite early. We already have established that. And probably when I first started to um, like get attention from boys, but I think it was older, older boys, and I grew quite quickly and I, I think that really started to make me aware of like the fact that I was a woman and that um, sort of burden and power and what that meant and like what that attention felt like and looked like when you start to get influenced by male attention or, you know, what whatever you identify as, but like having like sexual attention, I think that really changes you from a child to an adult. So I feel like I remember that um, quite clearly, sort of in early primary school, that started happening. I, I really looked a lot older than what I was. I was the opposite. I was a really late bloomer. And I actually didn't get my period until I was nearly 17. So I think for a long time, I felt like I hadn't really come into my womanhood until I was, you know, late, late teens. And I remember, I think I went to school camp in year 10. And everyone was talking about, you know, when you just have those chats at school camp and everyone talks about like period stories. And I just Mm. felt so left Mm. out of this kind of this club, this woman, womanly club. And so I remember I was probably about 16 and a half. I remember the day I finally got my period and I was like, I'm normal. Yes, I can be part of the club. And I went to, I sort of like rushed to school and I told everyone and it was like this celebratory moment. So I think that's probably the defining moment for me when I finally felt part of the club. What was your relationship to your body like growing up and how has that changed? I can remember a really harrowing moment for me and it was the first time that I ever felt aware of my body and ashamed of my body Mm. and it really has stuck with me my whole life. Basically, it was at a pool party and I always, I was such a water baby, I always loved swimming in the pool and I think I was about 12 or 13 
just when your body's starting to change a little bit. I was quite a chubby kid growing up and and I've been every single size in my whole life. I think I've really fluctuated and really struggled with body image my whole life. But this was a really huge moment for me. There was a, a friend of my cousin's who was probably around my age, a boy, and he looked at my body in my little target bathing mm. suit, tankini, sort of really mm. daggy. I was such a dag, daggy little bathing suit. Um, and it's just, you know, when your your breasts are sort of just starting to sort of bud, I suppose. Mm. And so I had like little nipples like starting to form and, you know, I had quite a round belly and I've always had a famously deep belly button. <laughs> anyway, so he saw me in my swimsuit and he said to the whole group, oh, it looks like a face. Oh, my heart. And I just remember feeling, yeah, just like so ashamed of my body. Oh, lolly. Yeah, it was just, um, this is the pregnancy hormones. <laughs> oh, no, let it out. No, it makes me, it makes yeah, me yeah. feel sad. It's very unfair. Yeah, the, I guess the, the first time that I was really aware that there was, you know, something to, to feel wrong about. Mm. And I think a lot of women and men go through a similar sort of thing in their adolescence. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it was really sad because I think <clears throat> mm. I think from then on I wasn't as confident to have fun at a pool party. Yeah. Yeah. It shatters that. Or feel confident at the beach. Yeah. Um, and, you know, certainly I have uh, grown a lot and and developed a much more healthy relationship with my body but it really has fluctuated my whole life so I think that that was really the starting point for that and yeah I think this would be a topic that I'd love to discuss further because I think there's there's a lot in there oh a lot for both men and women yeah I think well let's put that on ice for a for a proper um discussion I'd love to talk about that more my relationship with my body was very good all through my childhood I I'm the opposite in that I started to really question myself in my later years when I was at university doing um performing degree with you ladies and all of a sudden you start to question how you look and if you're attractive enough and you know I hate to say it because I work in this industry you know in in a way but like social media really started to make me nitpick, like nitpick. Whereas when I was growing up, I was so super confident and I sometimes think to myself like, what would 15-year-old Kate be saying to you right now? She'd be bloody ashamed at you being so nitpicky with your body because she was such a confident little thing. But I was the opposite in that people thought I was, um, I had a teacher ask if I was anorexic because I grew really tall really fast and so they like called my parents in. Um, Hannah, I think you've had the same thing of people being like, have you got an eating disorder? Yeah, heaps, heaps in, and particularly in primary school. So sort of like the other end of the the spectrum of, you know, and shaming is, is shaming like regardless. Absolutely, people, you know, yeah. people commenting on the way you look or your size is um, – you know, in a negative way is it's, it's, as detri- it's detrimental whatever way it's kind of put. But, yeah, I had the same thing where people would ask if I was sick or, um, yeah, I had an eating disorder or, yeah, or yeah it, it really does affect you. And it is, it really shatters that um, sort of childhood uh, obliviousness. Absolutely. To, mm. um, you know, your, 
your body that just feels like this healthy thing that you move around in and have fun Mm. in and then suddenly you're aware that other people are looking at it. At it in a certain way. And scrutinising it. Mm, Absolutely. Being on the other side of 30, what advice would you give to people in their 20s? I would say don't worry so much. Like, you know, I don't know about anybody else, but my 20s were so tumultuous. I was so worried about ticking the boxes. I was so worried that I was not living up to my own and other people's expectations. Just don't worry about where you think you need to be and just take every opportunity. Yeah, take every opportunity and don't let yourself get in your own way. I totally agree. I would just say you do you. There's Mm. no time limit. There's no race. There's no blueprint. Just be happy. Yeah. Who is someone who inspires or guides you? I would have to say my mum. Me too. She's so strong and amazing and... Yeah, just the best. Me too. How good are mums? Mums are the bloody mums best. Mums are just amazing. All three of us are very lucky with our mums. We're very lucky. But, you know, if you're not lucky enough to have a good um, relationship with your mum or your mum's not around, just those people that are those, like, maternal figures in your life that are Absolutely. just and have paved the way before, you mm. know, so you sort of definitely you feel like it's all going to be okay because they've lived that before you. Absolutely. Do you have any big life regrets at this point? My only big life regret would be, I mean, it's similar to what advice I give to people in their 20s. Just don't get in your own damn way. And it's something that I, even this week I had a therapy session and we're working through um, just those ingrained habits that I've formed since I was a kid and in terms of people pleasing and, and not being able to say no and just being too scared to actually really live fully and, you know, really step into what you want. I think really we get in our own way a lot and that's the only thing. You know, I I don't like to say regret because I have learnt from it but, God, I would say that to myself every day and I still have to say it to myself every day. Get the fuck out of your own way. I don't do regrets. I just do lessons. I think they're all just lessons. So I, I totally agree with you, Katie, but I think every choice and every step you take brings you to the person you are and the, the time and place that you are. So I think, yeah, no regrets, just lessons. And let's end on a happy note. What does happiness look like to you? Does this make you want to cry, Lolly? Yeah. Me too. <laughs> <It does. laughs> but that's not saying much because it. at the moment I'm crying in like kind of sad ads. <laughs> like, like, yeah, like that ad when the um when someone puts out a sandwich for the old lady. Oh, that's the old is man. Oh, Sorry, the old man. Oh, cuties. Yeah. Oh, so I mean I'm just a running tap at the moment, but um happiness, yeah, I just keep thinking about my bubby yes yeah Yeah. I think you know especially if COVID has taught us anything really friends and family like the people around you at the end of the day if you take everything else away who are you left with and I think that's what brings me the most happiness yeah true love true love whether it be family friends babies (laughs) pets exactly babies yeah so yeah true love happiness is true love beautiful answers 
We asked our gorgeous listeners to tell us what they would say to their 15-year-old selves. We were overwhelmed with answers and unfortunately couldn't include them all, but we thank you, beautiful, brave friends, for getting in touch. So here we go. What would you say to your 15-year-old self? One listener said, be nicer to your mum and save your money. You're allowed to celebrate your small victories even if others don't deem them worthy. Study law. Don't be so picky. You've got a lot of dumpings ahead of you. (laughs) Listen to their actions, not their words. Losing your virginity on New Year's Eve on the beach. Just don't do it. (laughs) Don't be so afraid of change. It leads to growth. Stop worrying about boys and what they think of you. Just do you. Trust yourself and eat the cake. Don't be in a rush to grow up. You are going to regret cargo shorts. Only like boys who like you back. Leave your eyebrows alone. You're not that cool. There's nothing to prove and slow down. It's okay if you like to kiss girls. They probably know what they're doing more than boys anyway. It's okay to say no. Don't let anyone pressure you into sex. Stop that right now. You're better than that. Relax. Puberty and pubes will come. You are going to regret cargo shorts. (laughs) (laughs) It's time to give the people what they want. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I love love that that's become the standard intro for Katie's dating catch-up. Oh, God. (laughs) Giving the peeps what they want, guys. Give us the update, Katie. Well, guys, well, things are moving along quite nicely with my... Um, looking in your southern skies. <laughs> did I fuck that one up? I did, didn't I? No, no, that was good. That was a combo. That was a great combo. He's got so many names I can't keep up. Um, okay, so he invited me. He was working down in um, Phillip Island. Oh. It's a Phillip Island theme, this ep. It is a Phillip Island theme. And thank God I didn't get put on a bus. So... <laughs> <laughs> so I drove down and he got a beautiful Airbnb um I could only do a night down there just because of work and stupid stuff but bless him I said to him you know I'll cook you dinner what would you like and he said roast chicken now I've never you guys know I'm not a I'm not the best cook I feel like you say this every single episode we know it's because I always seem to be cooking something these days Stress cooking. It's great. So he said roast chicken. I've never cooked a roast chicken. So I was like, fuck me. Okay, I can do this. And I did, guys, with the help of Jamie Oliver. I cooked a banging roast chicken and vegetables. Is that the one where you put the lemon up the bum? Oh, you stuff the lemons up their their tush. I nearly said their (laughs) vajuts. Whatever. (laughs) Their chook tush. (laughs) Their their chook tush. That's a good tongue twister. Chook tush. Chook tush. Chook Chook tush. tush. Christ. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh. It was fantastic. And okay, so a little uh, back to last week with me having issues with my orgasming, which a lot of people have actually written into us and been like, yeah, me too. So I'm not alone in that. Um, nah. And I wouldn't call it an issue. No, it's just like you got to use this thing to work on. So after I wooed him with my roast chicken breasts, with your chook tush. <laughs> With my chook tush. <laughs> we had a bit of sexy times. Now, okay, guys, we were doing our thing 
and things were going great guns. Now, I have always like put the other person's pleasure at the forefront, which I love and has look it's never been a problem. Maybe I tend to get a little carried away. So I was doing like my one woman circus show um, and he stopped me. <laughs> it's not that freaky, but, you know, I was really like, oh, putting it on. I was like, mm-hmm, yes, you were going to have the best time and I am like the perfect porn star. And he stopped me mid-sex and he was like, okay. <laughs> He's like, look, I... I'm having a great time. This is great. He said, but I feel like. I'm so sorry. Just in my head when, because you said the circus thing, like he's been like, just stop. And it's you in like a full clown face makeup on like a unicycle. <laughs> with, like, two, with like two hula hoops going around your arms. And you're like, yep, da, 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 da. <laughs> In my mind, you were doing like a full-on Britney Spears. Um, all eyes on me in the center of the ring, just like a circus, like a full music bit. Listen, oh I can God. say that it's probably like a safe mixture between both. Right. And then just like with me, with like my legs pinned between, behind my head, just being like, look at me and my flexibility. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, Katie. Sorry, sorry. So, no, on. that's he, fine. He, stops, so he, he stops you. He stopped me and he was like, look, I'm having a great time. He's like, I feel like you're putting on a bit of a performance. And I was like, what? I, I was very confronted. And he's like, I feel like you're not being genuine. Mm. And I was like, what? And he could tell that I was obviously a bit shooketh at that mm. moment. And he said, have I fucked up? I'm sorry. He's like, look, I don't mean, he's like, it's great. He's like, but you don't need to um, pump up my ego. He said, I just want you as you. Like that's all I need. I just need you as authentically you and what do you want? At this point I was full shooketh and, guys, people have asked me what do I want but it's more like what do you want me to do to you? Like what do you want me to do to you right now? Like, oh, yeah. But somebody actually saying what is it that you actually want and don't worry about what I want. What do you want? Nobody's ever asked me that. So, of course, I cried, <laughs> which was embarrassing slightly. And he's so sweet. We had like a snuggle and he was like, I just want you to enjoy it as well and I just want you to be happy. And so we had a really nice snugs and I stopped crying and then we had the mind-blowing sex and I orgasmed. Yes. Oh, Chuck, tush, chuck, tush. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like a bit of honest, vulnerable chat. Yes. To just break the walls down. And that sounds amazing. Oh, he's honestly, he I, I think I've said it, you know, most weeks, but he surprises me every week because he's so emotionally aware. It makes me feel like a mixture of really happy for you and then sad and then angry that no one had asked you that question before. Oh, yeah. But I think that we could probably discuss that at length at another time that, you know, this idea of um, it's we've, we've touched on it before, like that sex, we've, it's ingrained into us that it's about a male's pleasure. And absolutely. it's so rare that we're actually like, what do I actually like? I do have a voice in this. Mm, absolutely. And what do I and what do I need? Mm, so it was uh, 
roast chicken with a side of orgasm. A chook tush, chook tush. Tush to tush. Chooky tushy. Chooky tushy. It's a bit of a different kind of chook tush than you've had in your past. I just licked your ass. Oh, my God. You're reinventing the roast chook for yourself. <laughs> oh, I really am. I really am. I'm getting rid of old uh, traumatic memories and building lovely new ones. What a great update. Thank you, Katie. Thanks, guys. I'll keep you posted for next week. Now, no trip down memory lane would be complete without the penultimate teenage symbol, Dolly Doctor. Melissa Kang, who was the official Dolly Doctor for 23 years, was simply put a complete queen who answered all kinds of ridiculous and often really difficult questions with such sensitivity. Pedestrian TV and Bandit? Bandit. Dot com have kindly done the deep dive for us into the archives of the early 2000s to bring you some of the sealed off questions we all ran through our door beads and into our bedrooms <laughs> to devour. Door beads. Door beads, my Yes. Life. So had door beads. Me too. Me too. For those of you who aren't familiar with this famous advice Bible, here are some examples of the questions printed and Dr. Melissa assures us that every single one of them was always from a real young person. Remember, this is in the days before Google or Ask Jeeves or... <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here are some of the greatest hits. I've wondered for a long time... When a girl comes, what's actually coming out of her? Obviously, it's not sperm. So what is it? Puzzled. Help! I've put the tampon in the wrong hole. When I read about sex and vaginas and stuff, I get this nervous feeling and my vagina gets all hot and it feels really wet and gross. What's happening to me? (sighs) For the past two years or so, I have noticed that when I poo, there are little white worm things in them. (laughs) Does this mean I have worms? I'm too embarrassed to tell my dad about this. Can you help me out? Should I be worried or not? I put my Barbie doll's legs up my vagina to masturbate. Is this okay? Dr. Melissa's answers to the following questions remind us why we trusted and relied on Dolly Doctor's voice so much throughout our hair mascara, JJ's Discman years. Yes. I have sex regularly and often get embarrassed about oral sex. Can you tell me what I should do when the guy ejaculates? Should I swallow the semen or spit it out? If I swallow it, what happens to it? Confused. Dr. Melissa says, there are no rules about what to do. You can spit the semen out if you don't like to swallow it. That's your choice. You can swallow it if you want to. Semen contains sugar and secretions designed to nourish the sperm. Up to 5% of semen ejaculated is sperm, and it definitely can't harm you. If you choose to swallow it, it simply goes into your stomach and is digested along with other food. Some guys are turned on by having the semen swallowed. Maybe you could ask your boyfriend if you don't care either way. I love how balanced her answers are. Like, she's such a queen. Yep. So lovely. I've heard that you could damage your reproductive system if you water ski without a wetsuit on. Is this true? I have been skiing without one and I've had cramps near my ovaries. Should I have a checkup? I don't want to because my parents don't know that I've been skiing and would be angry if they found out. (laughs) (laughs) Melissa says... It is very unlikely that you could damage your reproductive system by water skiing without a wetsuit. I guess you're worried about a jet ski of water what entering your <laughs> vagina. No, I'm oh, sorry. Jet ski of water. Oh, I closed up shop. Fuck. Ow. Even fucking jet ski rode up my vagina. I'd be fucking really worried. <laughs> I can't. 
I think that would fuck up your fucking system. Fucking hell, Kate. I can't. Sorry, what she actually says is, I guess you're worried about a jet of water entering your vagina. Even when your legs are apart on skis, your vulva stays fairly well closed. However, a sudden rush of air into your vagina can be harmful, not by damaging your reproductive system, but by causing collapse. Damn, a sudden rush of cold water, if it were to get in, could possibly have the same effect. So it might be safer, in fact, to wear a wetsuit. I don't think you need to have a checkup on account of skiing. If your pains persist, they are probably due to some other problems and would certainly justify a checkup. God, she's good. She's great. I really like chunky black shoes, striped socks up to your knees and big shorts. But when I wear them to school, people laugh and start teasing me. I really hate this, so I usually just end up wearing ordinary clothes that I don't like very much. How can I stop them teasing me? Upset. And Dolly Doctor says, Can you help it if you're a trendsetter? You can't stop people being narrow-minded and petty, so if they really are getting too much for you, consider these options. Assert yourself. Let them know you're an individual, not a sheep. Or try hanging around with people at school who aren't afraid to be themselves. Uh, Preach, Melissa! Preach. Preach. Oh, my God. That um, tampon in the wrong hole thing at the beginning. Look, I don't have a story about the wrong hole tampon, but I just have a story about the first time I used a tampon. <laughs> and um, I think it was pretty recent. I just got my period and I, I hadn't started wearing tampons yet. I would have been maybe turning 14 or maybe I was 14. Um, and I'd never worn a tampon before, but it was a friend's pool party and I really wanted to go and be able to swim. So my mum was like, well, you can use a tampon. And she so beautifully, she stood outside the bathroom door while I was trying to work out how to put it in. And she was like, you could put your, one of your legs up on the toilet. You could like put it in a bit of Vaseline, um, you know, to help it sort of go up. And um, obviously I'd, I'd never had sex before. So it's quite painful when you start using tampons when it's that's kind of an area that hasn't really had much going there anyway so it was very tight and it was quite painful but I was like I've got it like it's it's gone in with much like discussion with my mom on the other side of the door I was like great ready to go to the pool party it felt quite uncomfortable but I didn't know that that wasn't how it was supposed to feel um anyway so I got to this pool party and I got in the water and um obviously you know when it's inside you, you don't really have this problem but it wasn't properly in me and so when it hit the water it blew up like they do when you see oh, in a glass no. of water and it was like half sticking out of me so it just looked like I just had an erect penis <laughs> in my <laughs> swimming <laughs> and, I, and I just had to stay on the step like the whole time and everyone was like get in like woo, like have a great time and I was like I'm fine like I'm all good here just like and it was so uncomfortable because it was like sticking out and I looked like I had a willy and oh. We've both been scarred by pool party experiences. You poor thing. I just, being a teenager is really hard work. All oh, of that stuff is really. It absolutely is. Hard work. Yes. Anyway, so that's my, that's my tampon story for you guys. <laughs> and now it's time to touch base with the COVID dating news around the world. The New York Times reads, health agencies offer tips on sex during the pandemic. As countries around the world slowly begin to come back to life, governments are giving guidelines on how people should navigate the new normal, including on sex and dating. 
In the Netherlands, Dutch officials relaxed the government's rules on sex during the coronavirus pandemic, advising that lockdown singles find sex buddies. Acknowledging that human touch is important, the guidance said that two parties must be in strict agreement about limiting the spread of the virus. In Denmark, the country's health chief gave his blessing to even casual sex encounters throughout the pandemic. He says, sex is good. Sex is healthy. We are sexual beings. And of course you can have sex in this situation. In New York, Los Angeles and other US cities, however, officials recommended masturbation and suggested avoiding sexual contact with people in other households. They say you are your safest sex partner. The next safest partner is someone you live with. In England, Jenny Harries, the Deputy Chief Medical Officer, said in March that couples who are living in separate addresses should choose to either stay apart or move in together. She says, for quite a significant period going forward, they should just test the strength of their relationship and decide whether one wishes to be permanently resident in another household. Test really carefully your strength of feeling. Thecut.com teaches us about the secret sexual history of the bar workout. A barre, as uh, Gomo says. <laughs> bar, a fitness phenomenon based on stretches and strength training exercises performed at a ballet bar, has exploded in recent years and particularly in online classes during the time of Rona. The workout is as challenging as it is effective at sculpting and strengthening women's bodies. I second that. It's fantastic but bar classes rarely draw attention to the workout's sexual undertones or the fact that its tucks and thrusts can bring very real improvements to women's sex lives bar's origins are deeply sexual its creator lottie burke who began teaching the regime in 1959 specifically wanted to advance what she called the state of sex by encouraging women to pursue sex for their own pleasure Today, it has become a commercial fitness regime in which butts are called seats and there is no mention of sex. But Lottie Burke's bar exercises were originally named the prostitute and naughty bottoms. (laughs) One move was simply called the sex. Perhaps most famously, she is rumoured to have told clients, if you can't tuck, you can't fuck. Damn, queen! And that's just about all we have time for this week, Tuckers and Fuckers. Thank you so much for helping Katie and I bring in our 30-second birthdays with a bit of a blast from the past for this week's episode of Cock Blocked by Corona, the podcast. Next week, among other goodies, we will be tackling another listener-requested topic on our segment, The Fanny Forum. So please get in touch and tell us what you want to hear us talk some shit about. Your voices are just as important here as ours. Please shoot us an email at cblockedpodcast at gmail.com or slide into our DMs at cblockedpodcast on Instagram with your hilarious or horrific dating history, new dating dalliances and pandemic pivot victories. And don't forget to give us some love wherever you you get your podcasts. We love seeing our listener stats grow every single week, so please keep sharing the C-Blocked gospel with all your mates who might need a good chuckle and escape during this very strange time. You have been listening to Lauren McKenna, Hannah Fredrickson, and our resident roast chicken chef, Kate Foster. Our producer is Carl McKinnon at Tech Tech Boom, and this week is brought to you by the number 32, Chuk Tush, and having actually fucking tried Chinese food. Fuck. <laughs> Yes. Stay home, stay safe, keep striving for dem clit tingles, and we'll see you next week. Bye. 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 Bye.